0: All right, guys. Welcome back to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am Young Ari Gold, and I am joined by my friend and co-host John Wade, the Garnet Texan. And John, before we get into mil- money mills, um, I'm assuming that's pretty much all we'll talk about for the whole whole hour because I got a lot of victory laps to take. Um, how was your Christmas?
1: It, dude, it was it was pretty good. Um, got some good things. Got to see my parents. Got to go up to Nashville. Um, got to take—I actually caved and I took Jack to Spider Man, and he absolutely loved it. We got out of the movie theater, and he goes, "Dad, you said this was scary." <laughs> I knew it. He was like, "That was not scary." So that was that was awesome. We saw it on the IMAX. Like Nashville has a really nice IMAX, and you know, all in all, it was a pretty good trip. I mean and then we, you know, we've won two football games in a row. So what what I don't know what's going on with that. Like us actually having a winning streak, but hey, I'll take that.
0: Yeah, I mean it um Christmas for me was great. We um we just hung out at home, didn't really do much. Um it was nice to just James, I can't hear you, dude. Can't hear me? Can't hear you at all. All right, let's see. Okay, still can't hear me? Okay. How about now?
1: Chat, do y'all hear him? Do y'all hear either one of us? Do y'all hear me?
0: (laughs) Can you hear me now? John? He says he hears both of us.
1: Oh, some people can hear both. I just can't hear you, James. Okay, so that's on me. Let's see what's going on.
0: Hmm. It's weird.
1: Okay, I can hear you now.
0: Okay, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Christmas was good. We just hung out, um, had a really good Christmas uh good food relaxed uh nothing crazy and that was i mean that was really about it we didn't we didn't really do anything nuts it was nice it was nice to stay home and dude. that
1: letter to to parker that is that is awesome you like that yeah dude that that was great that was honestly great
0: i didn't know what else to do and all year he kept asking and asking and you know, it's probably because some of his friends at school probably are telling him and all that stuff. So I was like, yo, how can I make it super special without ruining the fact that, you know, he finds out the truth. Right. And um, I, I just thought of it the night before and I was like, hey, I'm just going to do this. And Jackie, like, almost started to tear up. She's like, "This is so sweet. I was like, OK, good. Um, I'm glad. I'm yeah, he, he took it the same way he he went and uh, he opened his PS5 and that's what that's where the note was and um i also got him an oculus by the way we need to talk about that oh often. wow it is by far one of the coolest things i've ever done but we'll we'll really? get to that um so he opens it and he reads it and i say hey, what's that and he he snatches it and folds it and he puts it in his drawer he says nothing
1: <laughs> dude
0: <laughs> so I was like, that, right.
1: that's amazing that is absolutely amazing yeah
0: it worked out so it was pretty cool um, so it was a good Christmas. Uh, New Year should be good. I was going to tell you if you and Robin uh, and uh, Jack want to come over, we're doing uh, we're doing a bunch of stuff. It'll be very similar to Jackie's birthday party, uh, okay. but there will be a kids area uh, specific for kids. So, um, yeah. Um, but outside of that, it was awesome to wake up the day after Christmas and feel validated uh, after about 315 Uh, because for every single person that told me there was no way for every single person that told me that mills was trash for every single person that every single media person that covered him in camp saying he had the worst quarterback camp they've ever seen. And then people mid season telling me he cannot get better. Um, didn't focus on the right things in my opinion. And, uh, I think the positives, when it comes to a quarterback, the way I evaluate a quarterback, and I'll just break it down so you guys understand what I look for. What I look for in a quarterback is what they do well. What do they do well? I don't look at what they can't do. I want to see what they can do well. And the only thing coming into this week that we really didn't know what he could do well was the deep ball because there hasn't been any deep balls thrown. Everything's been underneath and out. Um and you know those two balls that he threw to Dorsett were precise. Uh, they were they were beautiful. Um, and you know I think I think the Patriots game was really where I started to really really pay attention. And you know it's going to be interesting because there's going to be a lot of there's a lot of room for both sides, the Mills haters and the Mills lovers, right now because they're going to be going up against San Francisco. So it'll be a totally different week um totally different team totally different matchup very tough defense i think the fourth overall defense in the league uh strong pass rush it's going to be interesting to see what the what the offensive line is able to do but i walked away thinking at the very minimum we have a guy that we should be able we should at the minimum see what he's capable of doing in 2022
1: yeah i mean i wouldn't say victory laps are assured for anybody at this point
0: um They are, but yeah, it's fine.
1: <laughs> so him, other than the people that said that he was a wasted draft pick, well, that was a lot of people.
0: That, that was a that kidding. was a lot of people. That was I a mean, lot of people.
1: And I mean, honestly, I was I was one of those people that was kind of like, should maybe we've gone for something of more need because I thought he was going to be a developmental quarterback. And here here's the thing: like nobody can crown him anything yet, other than the fact that he's proven that he's going to be in the NFL for a while. Mm -hmm. whether or not he's going to be a starter, whether or not he's going to be a bridge starter, whether or not he's going to be a backup dude is going to be in the NFL for a while. He has shown more than several of those trash quarterbacks that we've had in the past. Like tell me right now, Mills has shown more development than mallet or Osweiler ever did. Did he not?
0: 100%.
1: He has shown a better deep deep ball than Hoyer. Like Hoyer was otherworldly on short and intermediate accuracy, Mm -hmm. but Could never really push it down the field.
0: Yep. Um, He's shown better development than Tom Savage, who everybody said is exactly who he is, by the way.
1: Him and Tom Savage, like I almost didn't even bring up Tom Savage because that was not a fair comparison. He was way more athletic, way, way more athletic than Savage was. Savage could throw a ball, but Savage could not move. Savage couldn't move. Like, I've never seen somebody take the snap and they walk backwards into the pocket like Tom Savage did. Just go rewatch some of those. Like, it's absolutely insane. Like, Ben Roethlisberger is out there with a walker, and he still bounced and moved better in the pocket than Savage ever did. Now, Davis Mills has shown enough that at this point, in my opinion, he's going to be in the NFL for a long time. He's shown more than Matt Flynn did, and Matt Flynn got paid. He's shown more than some of these other backup guys that just last forever. That's now his floor. Backup guy that just la- lasts forever. That is Davis Mills' floor. Now there's a little bit. I think, in our opinion, like I don't, I, I don't get why people are getting so upset and so worked up about it because nobody's crowning him. But at this point, we have hope. Like there's like, whoa, look at the, what this kid has done. He's a developmental quarterback that has actually developed quite a bit in season. So why can't we be a little bit more optimistic about him? Like why answer? is it such why is that such a bad thing to be hopeful that this kid may continue to develop? He may not. This he may have reached his ceiling. If he've reached his ceiling, he's he's a bridge quarterback. Again, he gets to play next year. We get to we get to draft more people around him. Like none of this is a bad thing. But people seem to be treating like Davis Mills progressing to this point is a bad thing. Why is this a bad thing?
0: So can I answer your question why the hope is such a bad thing? Hope is such a bad thing because the answer to our hope that we were looking for was answered by Deshaun Watson. So we had a a small sliver. We we had a pretty strong uh, hope, right? We we basically had a quarterback that we knew, and we've said it multiple times, where – No matter what, we were always going to be in the game, right? And so once you get used to that uh, and you have games like the Bills and the playoffs and things of that nature, you become accustomed to having the hope. And then out of nowhere, you're completely blindsided. And the hope that you thought you had was just pulled away from you overnight, right? So therefore, it's trust issues, right? It's just like if your ex-girlfriend cheated on you, the next time you go into the next relationship, it's going to be in the back of your mind no matter what. What, like, can can I trust this? Is it, Are we going to be able to move forward? Is this going to be a healthy relationship for me? And that's exactly the situation that Texans fans find themselves in right now with Davis Mills. It's not about crowning. It's not about saying... He's going to be Justin Herbert or Patrick Mahomes or that he's going to be this really good starting quarterback. It's just the fact that you can say you've seen enough in 2021. And yes, he's had bad games. He's had bad games. But they all have all of them. just, Just go back and look at rookie quarterbacks. They all have them.
1: Well, even second-year quarterbacks, even third-year quarterbacks. Same thing. I thing mean, there's, a Desha- or- there's that Deshaun game against the Panthers where right. he. I, 100%. Every every quarterback has a bad game.
0: Yeah, I think so. So at the end of the day, you know, I see I see Sarge taking his victory laps or trying to as much as he can get what he can and antagonize. I think he saw a tweet today where he said something to the effect of, "So we're just going to forget the other seven games." No we're not going to forget the other seven games. What we're going to do is take away from those seven games where he was and where he is. And all you're looking for is getting a little bit better every week. And what we've seen from Mills is that he is getting better every single week. And so that's all you can ask for. He's a third round rookie quarterback. The chances of you hitting, we've talked about it a million times. It's very, very slim. The Ravens game, 100% beast mode. That Ravens game against with Deshaun, that was one of the worst performances I've ever seen from a quarterback. But everybody can't take Deshaun's dick out of their mouth to actually admit and say that he's had a terrible game in the NFL. But he's had multiple. And guess what? That's okay. They all do. The greats have them, the below average quarterbacks have them, and the average quarterbacks have them. So it's totally fine. But the part that people tend to miss, and it's because, again, Texans fan fandom is just so divided right now. Still to this day, they are, they are so divided. And w- the, 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 the Jack Easterby crowd needs to see this team fail. Because they have hitched their wagon to Jack Easterby is going to fuck this entire organization up. To the point to where they really can't walk that back. They can't. They have come out with the pitchforks. They are fully on that Jack Easterby train, right? So they can't come in and say, you know what? looks like they did pretty well with Davis Mills so far. Let's see what we have in the future. They have to stick to their horses, right? And then the other crowd is optimistic, thinks that, you know, Easterby, Cecil Shorts actually put it really well today on Sports Radio 610. Uh, He said, you know, there's no reason why you shouldn't have faith now. Not necessarily about Davis Mills, but just about the organization. Last year, Jack Easterby was interim general manager. This year, he has a new position and is the VP of football operations. Nick Casario is running the show. So I get the past and I get the frustrations with Easterby, but you got to let that go and just start to focus on where we're at now and who is running the show. And I, I truly believe Nick Casario is pulling every string is the ultimate decision-maker in every process. I understand that Jack and Cal are friends, but there's nothing wrong with enjoying what we have right now, which is you just beat a, who people crowned to be a Super Bowl contender early in the season. Okay, Yes, it was on a COVID week, but you had eight additional players out than what they had, and you still came and performed. We had a ton of guys that weren't active on our roster that were signed this week that played, and they all played really well. I, I give Coley a ton of props this week for having this team ready in a week where you would think it's almost impossible to actually have this team ready, right? Like last week when we played the Jags, everybody thought there's no way, of course you're going to beat the Jags. Urban Meyer was fired on a Thursday. There's no way that a game a game plan can be implemented in time for the Jaguars to actually pull it off and, and, and get a W, right? But in a week where David Coley had everything stacked against him, He actually pulled out his best coaching performance. And not only did he win, but he actually continued to try to put his foot on their neck at the end of the game. He didn't want to give them a window to get back into it because he knew if Herbert gets a chance, he could. So, you know, I just think that there's so many different things that you could really take from this game. Is Davis Mills good? I honestly don't know. I think he's good, but I don't know if he's great. And I'm fine with him being just good. If you get a third-round quarterback that's just good, if you get a Kirk Cousins in the third round, you take it. You will take it every year, every year. I think he is a quarterback that you put the proper pieces around him. I've said this from the beginning. I've said this from the beginning. If you build the team around him properly, you can win with him. But everything else has to fall in the line. But the cool thing is, we have Deshaun Watson who's going to net three first round picks. We have a first round pick next year. We have a ton of salary cap. So at the end of the day, there's the opportunity to truly surround Davis with talent and rebuild that defense with some younger stars. And for all we know, this could be a much quicker rebuild than what we were anticipating. I mean, the AFC South is still up for grabs. Tennessee is going down the wrong hill, right? Derrick Henry is this close to being done. Indianapolis has a first-round pick invested in Carson Wentz and he can't even play in their most critical game because he's so anti-vax right you have the Jaguars who are a true fucking dumpster fire I mean H everything that you guys have thought that the Texans were this offseason all the images you painted are literally the Jacksonville Jaguars so all it takes is a couple tweaks here and there and you're right back in winning the AFC South yet again Colts are likely to use lose Eberflus in the offseason, okay? He's not going to go another season without getting a head coaching job. It Everything is there for us. But people can't get past Easterby, so they just assume that there's no way anything positive can happen in, to this organization or this team or this fandom, right? The, the fan base doesn't deserve it, they think. But things are all pointing to a positive note, and I just don't understand why people can't sit back and just enjoy it.
1: You know, it's kind of amazing. And yeah, this is a a lot of it has to do with just how solid a third round quarterback can come out and play because it does give the team so much more flexibility. It does make things seem more optimistic because positional players, no matter what position it is, it's easier to predict how they're going to perform versus a quarterback. Now, I still believe the best way to find a quarterback is to go get a lot of quarterbacks. Um if Davis Mills is the guy, he's the bridge quarterback, that's fine. But you still draft a quarterback next year, maybe not in the first round, but maybe another third round guy. Like you, you keep churning them out. Um, but we will see with that. But that's what Davis Mills gives us as a flexibility is like, we don't have to try and go up and get the first or second pick yep. unless they absolutely fall in love. And here's the thing about Davis Mills currently, and we could be wrong about this too, is he's still not shown enough where you're like, if there's a quarterback that you're just absolutely in love with that you wouldn't be able to part from Davis mills or even make him a a backup and have two quality quarterbacks. Like that's the flexibility you have when you have a guy that goes out, shows improvement and shows that he can be at least a competent starter. Like next year, as part of our rebuild, we will not be shooting for the super bowl next year, no matter how much everything could hit perfectly. Like we may, be able to get to a playoff team quickly. And Davis Mills, I think could be a, a playoff quarterback from what he's shown. But that next step isn't necessarily going to take place next year. So it
0: could, it could, it could, it
1: could. but not necessarily, but yeah. you, you just have that flexibility. And again, at worst case, what Mills has shown this year and he has shown it against playoff teams, he's shown it against the Patriots who still had one of the best defenses in the entire NFL. Yep. And, Davis Mills has had probably one of the premier performances against them. He's outplayed Justin Herbert, who is the crowned next superstar quarterback. He's outplayed Trevor Lawrence, the can't miss prospect. Like when they showed the all time prospect list, Trevor Lawrence was like number six. Davis Mills was 356. Like these were all time high school quarterbacks or high school prospects. Granted, let's also remember Davis Mills at 356. To me, that was kind of shocking because this is since rivals started like this is since recruiting started 356 over th- out of thousands and thousands of players is still pretty good so let's not let's not forget like this is a Davis Mills is that typical patriots what they used to do really well like this is Tom Brady who was the five star that never got to play this is Matt Castle who I don't think took a single snap in college like that's what they used to do they would go out on highly rec- recruited quarterbacks that just for whatever reason didn't get an opportunity and then develop them davis mills fits that mold i've said it before
0: yeah i think i think there's also just a, a lot of things to like really look at right with this with this game specifically and it really just kind of points to all the things i was saying early on in the season right give them a run game well look what happens okay you get when you're able to take that pressure off your quarterback and actually establish a run game well, now your quarterback's a lot able to get in the rhythm, and not everything is – they're not all – they can't sit and wait. They can't sit and zone and wait. They, they can't, it's so
1: much different to be third and four versus third
0: and eight. 100%, right? And they, he wasn't even in third and eights most of the year. It was third and 12s, third and 15s, penalties here, right? So he wasn't in a position to where he could succeed. And like Beast Mode said, look, makeshift offensive line that has changed throughout the entire season, Right. This last one was, how many starters did we actually have on the offensive line that we knew? Two? I mean,
1: honestly, Toner, he goes out there and he plays the best out of any guard we've had.
0: Right. <laughs> so so you add that. Then you add to the fact that Brandon Kutz wasn't there, yep. right? Which is, you know, who he's been going to all year. Chris Conley has a good game. Dorsett, who has, everybody in the NFL has been waiting to see if Philip Dorsett can ever reach the potential that he's he showed in college and he hasn't until the last two weeks he's had decent games. Right. So like he, he's doing it with nobody. And then when you think about what you have to be able to potentially spend on this kid and actually build an offense, I just don't see a reason why anybody would want to bash this kid. I I really, I can't fathom like, you know who it is. It's those same people that hate to see other people succeed that just can't like you, every single person, no matter who it is. They if they hate to see other people succeed, those are the same people that are hating on Davis Mills. You want to, you want to see this, you want to see this organization fail. You do, just come out and say it. Stop, stop with the subtle little you know p- positive notes and say I, I. It really sucks to write these things. Oh, I want, no, you don't, you don't, you you, you really don't. And that's fine. Just say it, but stop like leaving your a way for you to get out of it. Davis Mills looks good. Let's hope he can be better. And outside of that, there's nothing else really to to worry about. If he if he goes out and shreds the Niners, and he probably won't. <laughs> he, he he probably won't. He he probably won't. Let's let's just be hundred percent real. He he probably won't. That offensive line is going to have a problem. A long day on Sunday. Their entire defensive line is first-round picks. They're all talented athletic freaks. It is going to be an issue. But at the end of the day, you just take it as what it is. You focus on what you've seen from Mills, and you just hope that you can get that consistently. And for the people that are saying that the Dolphins don't want Deshaun Watson anymore, I actually think it's the exact opposite. For everything that we're seeing the Dolphins do right now, and yeah, they're on a win streak, Think about what that win streak would act, actually look like if they had a top-tier quarterback. They know that when they, if they make the playoffs, they're not going very far. And do you know why? It's because they have a limited quarterback. So the Dolphins are not out on Deshaun Watson, no matter what Tua is doing, because Tua has not shown to be a top-five quarterback. And that top-five is a game-changer for your entire team. So I don't believe that the Dolphins are out of the running for Deshaun Watson. I still think they're the team for him to go to, and I do believe that we will get everything that we wanted to get originally, because they're gonna they're gonna need it, and they already have all the pieces. Look what, like I said, look what they're doing with Tua. Imagine if you had Deshaun. They have defensive pieces, they have offensive pieces, they have everything that you would want. They don't. Well, they don't have it.
1: a running. They don't have a running back. I mean, well, granted, well, you can get that next year with a third round pick. Yeah, granted, Duke Johnson goes there, and all of a sudden he looks beat But I mean, I would say this, it's actually, in my opinion, it's even better if the the Dolphins don't have any interest in Deshaun anymore, because that just opens everything up. Because they were trying to play hardball to get him in Miami. That's where Deshaun wanted to go. That's it. That was the only place he wanted to go. Well, all of a sudden, say, the criminal, the off the field stuff gets taken care of. Um, But Miami's like, you know what? We're not interested. We're going to stick with Tua. We made it to however deep in the playoffs. Blah blah blah. At that point, Deshaun really will have to accept where the Texans decide to send him. I, he can't go to he can't go to Miami. I mean, he can't go back to Houston. So at that point, the Texans will actually have the ability to listen to more offers and actually create a bidding war. And if Deshaun is able to get out of the criminal proceedings. For whatever, if, if he settles, if they get dismissed, whatever happens there, then yeah, his value is just going to skyrocket. Everybody's going to want him. He's going to be as healthy as he's ever been. He's going to be 26. And there's a lot of teams that have a lot of huge quarterback issues. Imagine the Saints. If the Saints had Deshaun, they're walking into the Super Bowl this year.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I can't, ima- the Giants claim that they're going to stick with, uh, with Danny Dimes, but no, I, they're don't not. Buy I don't buy that for one second. Um, there's the Steelers have got to figure out what they want to do. I mean, Roethlisberger won't be around, but they absolutely have nobody behind them. Like, there's so many more options. And here, here's the thing. Personally, I don't even know if the criminal things are going to go away. Like, I at this point within my heart have protected it from the fact that we may not get anything for Deshaun. He may end up, you know in jail or something and we don't get any draft picks and you know what if davis mills as a bridge quarterback or even or better still puts us in a better spot like if we're able to trade deshaun if we're able to move deshaun and get anything of value for deshaun like our our rebuild hits warp speed that's like houston rockets level of luck how they had this past off season if not we have a more standard rebuild And this time we're still in a great position because you have a rookie who's on a third round contract, rookie quarterback on a rookie third round contract, which gives your team so much flexibility. And if Deshaun's in jail, you don't have to worry about his contract. So they will have money to spend.
0: I I think that point, and that's where I was going to go next. I think the point of if something does happen and he is found guilty and he goes to jail. And Davis Mills ends up being, let's say, let's say he ends up giving us exactly what we saw Sunday consistently, right? Look at where the team is actually at at that point, right? You solve the biggest issue you've ever solved. And this is just hypothetical, right? We're not we're not sitting here saying that we we want or or that we expect Davis to be at that level. But what we're saying is is, if he continues to develop, and continues to get better, and we get consistency, and he ends up being a, a, a above-average starter, and Deshaun goes to jail for some reason, is found guilty, and everything that is being said is true, and you have a quarterback, this franchise is in a, a much better position than you could have ever anticipated with that specific situation. Like, you couldn't have lucked out any more then actually hitting on a third round quarterback and in a year where you had no first or second and you're able to build on that in the future. Like that's just a, honestly it's mind blowing to really think about if it goes down that way, that the Texans could potentially be in that situation.
1: Yeah. The fact that we looked at this year and we would have been happy coming out of this year, this season with the Texans finding any backup players. But you've got Grenard, who looks like he's going to be something. You've got—I'm going to mess up the uh, cornerback's name—but um, you've got a a slot quarter corner that just is absolutely playing out of his mind, and hopefully that continues. Like Gruger Hill, like dude, special teamer. If they're hes, he's a um, Pro Bowl alternate at this point. Like the fact that the team is not just walking away with solid like. Backup floor players, they're starting, they are going to come out of this year with actual starters, like players that can play in the NFL that you can build around and having a quarterback that gives you a chance to win every week, which all, all we're asking for. That is all we're asking out of Davis Mills. We don't need him to, we don't need him to be a pro bowl level quarterback. We just need him to make watching Texans games bearable. And if we get anything more, yeah, Tapier Thomas, like what? mean name sometimes but if we just have a quarterback that makes watching the games bearable over the next couple of seasons that allows us to develop offensive players around them that allows receivers to get catchable balls so we can figure out what type of receivers we have to actually being able to throw the ball enough that we can develop a running back like that's what davis mills playing at this level does now, if he's able to play like he did against the Chargers, against the Niners, I, that's a whole new conversation. That's a whole new level of hope. I, that's just your mind is blown. Like you go from having a guy who at best is a poor man's Kirk Cousins or Alex Smith level quarterback to somebody that could be something more. Like that's something that's still in the realm of possibility. Not saying it's going to happen. But again, this isn't us being stuck with Brian Hoyer. This isn't us hoping that mallet turns into something like we're in a better position than we were. We won't have to have another quarterback name next year. It's not going to be the repeat of five, uh, five years ago where we had the Browns level quarterbacks after one, after one, after one, after another, like we're, we shouldn't be falling back down that spiral.
0: I agree. Uh, I, I agree hundred percent. And uh, that's, that's the part that I find to be, most entertaining is that there's a good chance that that won't happen. Um, and why it's because Nick Cereo actually took a chance, went down the Patriots path. Right. Um, and his experience there took a quarterback who was the number one recruit who, you know, for, like you said, everything we've seen so far has been up there with Mac Jones, I guess is what you could probably say. He's been better than Trevor Lawrence. Um And you just have to hope that Nick's able to build the rest of the team around him to where this team can compete. So um, yeah, I mean, I've I've just seen good things, and it's really insane to think that you know people are really you know upset. You know, I've seen a couple of people say like, "There's no way he's going to be good." It's just not the way it works. It's like, dude did you did you really watch this week? Well, like honestly, that.
1: There's that uh, QB, or there's that athlete behavior website. I've I've retweeted it on Twitter a couple of times, but essentially they talk about the situation that the passer is in versus the talent around them. This is the whole picture, whole picture. Every off, the offensive line, the backups, the receivers, everything. The whole picture. Uh, quarterback behavior versus offensive situation. Davis Mills actually was so good this past past weekend. His QBPA behavior was the farthest one to the right out of any quarterback in the NFL. And the Texans, that roster that they put on the field this past, this past weekend, was the worst offensive roster by talent in the entire NFL. He had a really, really, really good game. Like it, So it's really easy for us to get incredibly excited. But at the same time, you've got to put some respect on the fact that that was a really, really good game. He did exactly what was asked of him. He put the ball in position where receivers could make plays. He threw a couple of deep balls. And the amount of the the tape is already the people reviewing the tape and looking at how Davis did it. Mills did it. They're already talking about the great concepts that Tim Kelly put out there. So this, it also gets my brain kind of spinning. First off, the hope that it shows is I know the chargers were a bad defense, but Like you said, if Mills has a decent protection and a threat of a running game, then he's going to be, it looks like he's going to be efficient. So yeah, we do need to put more talent into both our running game and our offensive line, but that does show what Mills could possibly be. And second, he's going to be able to elevate the players around him. Now, will he be able to elevate them enough? I don't know but the fact that he's been able to do it a couple of times now as a rookie and honestly the worst situation in the entire NFL. Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars, maybe, maybe just as close to as bad of a situation. But I would say that at the beginning of the season, the Jaguars at least had more weapons than Mills did and probably a better offensive line. Maybe. Maybe. But it's kind of, it's kind of a toss-up. But the Jaguars and the Texans, both bad situations. And regardless, Mills has played better than Lawrence.
0: Yeah. Uh, how much do, credit do we give Pep? I, I think that's an interesting question because um, when you look at Pep's resume and what he's done with young quarterbacks, it, it's pretty much undeniable to say that you can't say he has had zero impact on Davis Mills. You just... You can't based on what he's done in the league, right? Um, you know, I do find it interesting. It looked like there's just the playbook was open. Like, the the playbook was wide open. And you have to wonder, like, shout out to Dune and Katie because a, a while back he mentioned this, and I, I kind of thought about it, and I didn't know if it was possible. But now it's starting to make me think a little bit. It, it's almost as if they... This was their develop- developmental path specifically for Davis. Was yeah, we're going to have some games where the offensive play calling looks bad, but there's he only has 10% of the playbook. Here's 10% for four weeks. Okay, now four weeks goes by and here's 25%. And then, you know, two weeks goes by and here's another 10 to 15%. But if you go back and watch the games, it, it makes sense that that's how they approached it. It looks like they didn't want to throw everything at him. Um, and then this week, I don't want to say they gave him everything, but they definitely look like they gave him more than he's taken on this entire year. Um, so you give pep a ton of credit because he is the quarterback coach. It's really all you can say. I mean, he's the quarterback coach. Any performance that Davis Mills has, you have to you have to give credit to to, to Pep Hamilton. I, I'm not willing to based on what we've seen from this coaching staff all year. Right. And this all goes back to the transparency aspect of things. What, what, what are we trying to do? Are we trying to win? Are we trying not to win? Are we like, where, where are we going? Uh, it's kind of been mixed signals. I, I think there's nobody really understands or knows, to be honest with you. Um, how crazy is it that we won and then we still have the third round pick, like the third pick overall, like super wild. So, you know, you have to wonder if they were checking the scores. I, honestly, I, I have no idea at this point. Um, but you got to give Pep a ton of a ton of credit. You, you just kind of have to. They, they they go hand in hand.
1: Yeah, no. And I think that um, it was mentioned in chat. Uh, Pep Hamilton uh, Mills given uh, Pep a lot of credit for being able to take the concepts that they took from Stanford and help him apply it to what he saw in the NFL. And I mean, that goes back to when they were at the beginning of the season, that does make sense. Cause teams were making fun of the Texans for having so many simple concepts that it was easy to predict what they're going to do. Yeah. Uh, Dune and K- Katie kind of nailed it. It's like, that's what the quarterback's comp confident in. That's all they can put out there is hope to that 10% that he can run it better than trying. He can run 10% very well versus trying to win, run 40, 50 plus poorly. Like maybe that was their hope, and that does explain. Um, But we'll see. I mean, I'm still, I'm still not entirely forgiven of Tim Kelly, Um, regardless of how much she's been complimented on the concepts that he put out for the for the Chargers game. Still, because he hasn't been able to show, in my opinion, successfully scheming a running game. Like even last, this goes last year. Now he may be on another level when it comes to scheming up a passing concepts but right now i'm just i'm not, i'm not so sure about the running game um one thing that i did want to say about about davis mills though that i really i should have said at the beginning of the show part of the reason that it's so hard to find a quality quarterback is developing a quarterback is you can't really scout what their mentality is going to be you've got to find a guy that's not afraid of getting hit that is confident enough that he can take crazy throws that he's confident enough that he can out throw a a cornerback confident enough that he can get sacked by these monsters of men playing defense yet at the same time, humble enough to realize what he cannot, what he can and cannot do. And you got these guys coming out of college that are just so much more athletic that just understand college concepts, but they aren't able to grasp it in the NFL. That's why a guy that comes out and has only average, just say average athleticism, can be a top quarterback. Like Peyton Manning, like if you really look at him even coming back out, like it was all mental with him. There has been so many better athletes than Peyton Manning. There's been so many better athletes than Tom Brady. But when it comes to their mentality, like how they learn their playbooks, how they know what they can do and they have faith in what they do and they don't get they don't get jittery. like They don't get happy feet. They can get popped in the mouth, and they come back there, and they're still calm in the pocket, and they're not rushing their throws. They're not rushing their progressions. Like, that's something that you can't judge without a quarterback play, playing. But at the same time, you take a rookie quarterback that doesn't know what's going on, you throw them out there, you can break them by playing them. So it's that weird balance where you got to play these guys enough so that they can figure out what they can do, but you can't break their confidence. And you also got to figure out what guys like truly have confidence. And with Davis Mills, that's actually what he's coming, coming across as like that, just that mentality. Like, again, there's going to be more exciting quarterbacks. There's going to be probably more accurate quarterbacks, but some of those sacks that he's taken, especially at the beginning of the year, some of those hits and the way that he bounced back up, like that's what actually gives me a little bit of faith that, that he's going to continue to get better.
0: Yeah, I would agree um i I would agree 100 percent. i think um you know at the end of the day where we're at now and and not only that like can we talk about how, how fun it was to watch a fun game like that dude right like like yeah i get it covid give whatever excuse you want like no matter what you say why it happened really doesn't matter or take away from the fact that the game was super entertaining and super fun to watch, even if for some reason if the Chargers came back and ended up winning on the last play. That was by far the most entertaining game we've had this entire season. It, it was just an overall good game, which I don't know about you guys, but that's that's why I watch football. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. I watch it because I want to enjoy what I'm seeing, and um, I don't see any reason to, to, to think that that was not an entertaining game.
1: No, I mean, that game, that was fun. I, I, that was fun. It's like maybe teams don't need to play defense because that, that was a lot of fun. And for me, like the thing that I've been missing all, all, all season and part of the reason that I was so upset when they decided to go back to Taylor was I really just wanted hope. Like, are, is the team getting better? Are we watching people improve? And with Davis Mills playing, quarterback is the easiest position to watch play, players improve with. And to see him continue to improve has actually made watching the Texans a little bit more fun for me again. Whereas when they go out there and it's just, you know, throwing the ball that only Gophers can catch, like that, that wasn't fun. But watching growth, this is fun.
0: Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I, I thought it was a ton of fun. Um, and, and that's really ultimately what we're looking for. Um, oh, I was going to say something and I totally forgot what it was. Oh, I, I I love the way that he climbs the pocket and like just kind of the toughness that you were talking about, like his ability to stand in there and just kind of get rid of the ball, but take a hit like. You know, that's one of those mental things that I I think a lot of times quarterbacks have a hard time getting over is the fact that, like, they're going to have to sit in the pocket and get rid of the ball um, and be able to, uh, you know, take the hit while delivering. And I I think he actually does a pretty good job of that. You know, I know he has those goofy sacks occasionally where it looks like he's jumping and things of that nature. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I, I just think what we've seen in, what, nine games now, eight games, nine games? Uh, no, more than that. Well, no, Tyrod started, what, five? So, yeah, so it's been about eight games. There's there's just a ton of reason to be optimist. And, and then not only that, like, if you just look at the, the chat right now, right, the chat's on fire. We have more viewers now than what we've had all year because there's been just a total overall. We used to average 150 to 200 people on a live stream. You know, now it's been about anywhere from 35 to 50. And then today we're at 76. Maybe it's because we're on a Wednesday. Who knows? But at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. More people are intrigued and entertained and watching the Texans now than they have all season, which is a very telling sign to what truly is happening with the team. Now, they can go to San Francisco and just get blown the fuck out, right? It could easily happen. And that, that team over there in San Francisco is way better than their record indicates and They just have quarterback issues. And if we're going against Trey Lance, there's a good chance we actually win this game. And I know we're 14-point underdogs, but at the end of the day, like, there's just so many different things about this team to be excited. And I'm so ready for Deshaun to be moved and us be able to... I hope everybody else will be able to get past the Jack Easterby stuff and really just... Focus on the team and the football, man. The product on the field at the end of the day is is what we're all here to. It's why we do it every Wednesday or Tuesday and now today, Wednesday, is because we just love watching football, and that's our, that's our team. So it, it'll be nice to be able to see if we can all get everybody back on the same page.
1: Well, winning cures all. 100%. Like, honestly, that's – if the Texans start winning and they start showing signs that they're going to be able to win, then – all the negative Nancy, well, not all the negative Nancy's, let's be real. Like Houston media, we even had negative. We've always, there There. There are always people that I think root for the team to fail. Like there are definitely people in the Houston media that want bad news to happen out of the Texans. And I mean, honestly, like I kind of get it because when all the bad things were happening, when you were talking about how many people would have in our live stream, like we broke a thousand people in our live stream before when all the bad things happened with, um, with Deshaun. Like when he wanted to be traded and all the allegations came out. So I get why they're addicted to having the bad news because, you know, you get bad news, you get views, you get clicks. Like this is what they're making their, their life off of. And so I get that. But at the same time for us, I mean, we're first and foremost, we're fans. We want them to do well. If there's five people in here and there are five people that are interacting, like me and James are going to show up and do it. Like we, this is, we love football. We love the Texans. We want to show pride in the city of Houston. Like that's all we're asking for. And if we had five people here on the stream with us, like we would still do it because we'd still be talking with them and would ultimately that's our fulfillment. Maybe not necessarily fun. Cause there was a lot of weeks this year that were not even close to being fun, but you know, you, we still wanted it to do it because of the people here. And <laughs> Oh, man. The whole thing with Easterby... I'm just going to put my, my two cents out there. I think that there's a lot of truth to to people that were close to Deshaun kind of pushing a lot of stuff that happened with Easterby. And then they are Because they, they believed in the, Deshaun's better nature, I want to say. And you needed a villain. And they needed to kind of prevent everything from blowing up on Deshaun. Like, I really do think that there was like a, a lot of internal, like it almost, I hope it ends up really being a 30 for 30 one day. Cause I do think that it's almost going to be like game, like a game of Thrones, like Machiavellian, just all sorts of backstabbing, all trying to cover one person. And that's honestly what I think. Like when you just look at everything that's come out since and Easterby was the guy that was there and yeah, he was unqualified to be the GM. But also because of Bill O'Brien, he was the only guy there. <laughs> like there wasn't really no one else that could take on that role. So he was just put in a bad spot, and he was made the villain. And whether or not, and I'm sure there's a lot of it that was deserved, but to be, to the extent that it's still talked up and brought up about, is is I'm just kind of over it because it's definitely Casario's team, and something that we really didn't talk on because we were off last week, is people blowing up about Casario being on the headset. Now, tell me, is the type of GM, granted he was also on, on the headset when he was in New England, but he is so micromanaged that he's out there, he's sometimes the, the, the quarterback during practice, that during games he's on the headset. Do you honestly think that that sort of guy is going to really let Easterby run the football team? Are you asking me? Yeah, I'm asking you. Like just that sort of mentality that you are so ingrained and involved that you throw the ball around during practice, that you go in and participate in the practice. And during games, you're on the coaching headset. Like you have that sort of mentality. Do you really think you're going to let a passer tell you how to to manage your football team? Now, you may take insight and advice from him, but are you going to really think you're going to let somebody like that boss you around?
0: hundred percent. No. And then that's the whole thing. That's, that's why I can't seem to get it. That's why the whole thing with Steph Stradley happened. Like, it's like, yo dude, like this, this, and I put, and I even put it out on a tweet. Do you honestly believe that after 20 years of being with the new England Patriots and being with the most successful franchise in sports history over the last 50 years, he left to come listen to a fucking pastor. Honestly, Like, you honestly think that he came to listen to a culture guy about how he should build the team. It makes absolutely no sense. I fault him for everything that happened last year, okay? I, I give it all to him. But I give it all to Cal, too, who allowed him to be in a position to be able to even do the things that he did last year, right? Like, that seems to be a part that people tend to leave out of this entire conversation. He was empowered to do it, and he is not supposed to be – he does not have the experience to do what he did last year. So what did you expect to happen? It wasn't going to be good. This guy has zero football background, but Nick didn't come here to play bitch next to Jack Easterby. That's just not the way it works, and it's such a lazy and tiring, good God. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow uh okay Uh, you guys are on fire tonight i'm not sure what you guys are doing i don't know if it's a competition everybody's happy we've
1: we've, everybody's just happy
0: no it's great but seriously (laughs) we've been miserable
1: all year we're finally people are finally happy and matt jay thank y'all so much
0: yeah absolutely thank you guys um and matt it's so great to see you back in the chat finally bro um we got to figure out our way to get uh Toby McGuire back still though. Toby's gone. <laughs> Toby's gone. Have we even recapped Spider-Man Far From Home yet? We have not. We have oh, not. Shit. Okay. All right. Of course the um, Texans
1: get good. You, yeah. Uh, have a yeah. couple of good games when, you know.
0: But here's the thing. So, like with Steph, it was just like, yo, dude, how are you in my inbox telling me how to think and tweet? Honestly. Like, John, we're close friends. I would never come to you in a text or a phone call and tell you to not spread a false narrative, even though I don't know if it's a false narrative or not. I know for a fact, she sent an email to Jack Easterby. I know so much about where she tries to get all this bullshit from. And it's just, it's just pathetic at this point. It's pathetic. And I will not be fucking censored on Twitter. Of all apps to be censored on, the one I will not be censored on is freaking Twitter, bro. I'm going to – I don't put any thoughts into my tweets, guys. I don't. I put zero thoughts. If you guys notice, I use then and then often wrong almost every time. And it's just because I'm typing. I just – when it comes to my head, I put it in a tweet, boom, I send it. I don't have anybody to read my tweets and edit them before they go out. I just give you guys my raw thoughts. And I think, and I could be wrong, I could be wrong here, but I believe that the following we've created is strongly built on the fact that you guys get us raw every damn time. Every time. You get exactly what we think without any filter, any thought that actually goes on it. We just give you our feelings. That, that's it. That's that, I've been doing it. I, I don't hold anything back in person. And, and who I am on Twitter, if anybody that's met me, that's exactly who I am in person. I'm not any different. So, like, to come in somebody's, uh, and not only that, when she said, well, after asking me the first time, when she asked me, the, why did I tweet these things, right? And then I didn't respond. And she hit me with a, well, dot, 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 question mark. Do you know who the fuck can ask me that in my life? My wife and my mom. Outside of that, nobody else in my life is allowed to hit me with another one like I need to fucking answer you. You are just (laughs) a fucking person on Twitter. You are fucking nobody to me. I don't give a fuck about you. So I'm not going to give it to you. I'm, I'm just not. And that's all there is to it. So there's the Steph shit. I think she's a fucking troll, and I, I'm not sure what the fuck is going on. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, whoa, what a Nikki Raw. <laughs> <laughs> okay, pause, pa- pause on the Raw. Unless that's how you like it. I mean, if that's how you like it, that's how you like it. But anyways, at the end of the day, I, I truly believe though that's how we've built our following. I really do. Yeah, I mean we I really we I, have we're not after we have nothing to lose like well, let, we're not in it for likes. We're, yeah, not in for like, likes. we're not in it for we're, subscriptions. In we're not in it for fucking clicks on our, our links like we're not in it for engagement like none of my shit is geared towards any of that none of our stuff yeah. it never has it's been.
1: Like, i read it first off it was definitely way way mommy-ish like 100%. that that made me, that made me well That made me very uncomfortable. (laughs) She's she's talking to you like you're a 19, 20 year old trying to break into media. Like, no, you're an established professional in your career. You do very well for yourself. We do this for fun. Right. We do this because we like, because we can, because we can, because, (laughs) you know, I, this is, this is our, because we drive our wives insane talking about football. That's why we do this. Yeah. So we're going to sit here. and We're going to drive Twitter, insane we're gonna drive not us insane because even when we fight like at least it's a good good conversation but yeah. this is why we do it like if i never get to anything from the texans okay i mean if i never really i won't really ever make any money from this okay i'm fine with it that's cool no one needs to come mommy me, me about it yeah i'm a little bit more thoughtful in how and things that i type because that's just how my brain works like that's how i am Like, I don't, I'm not i am not self centering. This is just how I always think things through. And what James puts out here and what I've told people before is this is why you follow James. This is why I love James. He says exactly what's on his brain. You don't have to agree with him. And he'll actually probably respect you more if you don't agree with him, if you give him a good reason for it. But he's going to tell you and he's not going to bullshit you.
0: I'm not, I'm not. But, and here's the one thing I learned from that entire situation. And it's something I didn't realize until that day. And it's going to sound braggadocious. and, And for those that know me know that I have zero ego, but at the end of the day, she is so fucking concerned about the influence that I have that she is so worried about a retweet about a Jack Easterby article because it hurts her narrative, like like honestly, think about that. One guy, okay, and it, it, there's not a lot of me that are anti the Easter B wagon, right? There's a t- a lot more anti anti Easter B than there are pro Easter B, and I'm not a pro Easter B in any form or fashion. But I think it's pretty fair to say there are a lot more people yeah, against Easter than there are that hey, let's just move on past that.
1: The, so this is out there. My Easter B on my stance on Easterby is who the fuck cares about Easterby right like that's like negative positive I don't give a fuck he's football operations he makes sure that they have hotels booked he makes sure that the weight room is clean like that's the stuff he does and apparently he gives people hugs on the sideline and prevents them from having surgery because you know could have sworn Gruger Hill had a torn ligament and turns out you know he just needed to take a a week off
0: Yeah, I I guess, but that's that's like my, uh, what I'm saying is is like, she's so worried about people actually believing what the fuck I tweet that she had to take the time out of her Thursday night to craft a message to me in hopes that I can take down a reach one, one retweet one that nobody liked (laughs) like, dude, who, what the fuck? What, what in the fuck is happening? And don't fucking come in my inbox and tell me what the fuck to say. I don't give a fuck who you are. I don't care if you're a lawyer. Send me a cease and desist. I don't give a fuck. And you're not a lawyer. Your husband is. But either way. Um, so yeah. Um, and, and Chris, you might be right. Future players might care about Easter B. There are some players in that locker room that I know for a fact don't like Easter B. But you know what? It doesn't impact what they do on the field. We have all worked in a place where we hate upper management. But you show up, you perform, and you go the fuck home. Okay? The, the, corporate America is built on a million jacker, Jack Easterbys. A million.
1: Well, I mean, there's also some players that love Jack Easterby. I mean, it's. There are. He's a person. People, there's people that love him. There's people that hate him. And ultimately, he's not in charge of personnel. And when it comes to making personnel decisions, Casario owns that. Completely owns that.
0: Yeah. But but I guess that's what I'm saying. Like, look, dude, we all work in a place where we don't like somebody. I, I've worked in millions of places where I don't like my direct report. But I get paid. I don't have to like them. All I need to do is perform and do my job. And when I clock out or close my laptop at 5 o'clock, I don't think about it. And honestly, I believe there are a lot more players in the locker room that go home at 4.30 or 6 whenever their day is over, and they don't think about it. (laughs) They really don't. I I honestly believe that. But because there are so many media that are pushing this narrative down everybody's throat, you know what I'd love this offseason? is a one-on-one interview with Nick Casario and Jack Easterby together and not by a media member, not by anybody who has a narrative or who has an agenda. I would love to do it. I've thought about it for a long time. I would love to sit down with at least Nick and then maybe towards the end for 15 minutes with Jack, talk about the plan when he got hired, what happened, where it changed, and overall, where we're going, I would love to hear about, was Jack the only reason you came? I would love, to, did Jack switch last minute on the flight? You know, like all those things. I would love to hear all that. And honestly, I feel like if the Texans actually came out and did that with somebody who isn't, doesn't have an agenda, and actually provided some transparency, I feel like a lot of this bullshit would go away. Because yeah, well, that's what that's, keeps people guessing, is that's, the fact that they are hiding Jack. Yeah.
1: And I mean, that's one thing that the Texans have kind of. So Houston media has always taken bullshit and ran with it. Like that's been very, very clear without even people straight out saying it in um, in, in Twitter. Um, there's former players that say, yeah, a lot of the stuff that the media ran with was nothing but bullshit. So. That definitely happens, but part of that is on the organization because they do have this paternalistic. If they just stay quiet, then it will go away. But, I mean, Casario, I mean, he doesn't necessarily give answers, but he at least talks more than any GM that we've ever had.
0: Oh, it's every week, bro. It's every mm-hmm. week, right? I, I'll, I'll take that 100% of the time. Um Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know, man. It's just such a, it's an, it's an, it's an exhausting conversation to have it's a very tiring uh, conversation to have and at this point it really like I get it I get what Chris Royal is saying about the the accountability sure I understand that you but but what is that really gonna give you if he came out and did a press conference like man you know what I I gave away bad contracts last year Uh, I executed some bad trades and I'm I'm happy I'm not in the position I was in last year
1: yeah that was his accountability he probably Any chance that he had at having personnel control? Right. Gone.
0: That's what I'm saying. So like, but what are you going to gain if he does do that? Like, like, honestly, what what will people do at that point? It's not going to change anything. And then they'll spin it into, he did this and he did that. And, you know, he didn't answer. It's just like, dude, are you guys like, seriously, it's just, it's, it's tiresome. But even one one last thing, Chris East hates Easterby. He's hated him for a long time. He literally says an interview would definitely help. Yeah. And he's right because that's the problem he's hiding. So therefore nobody can actually point a finger or ask the right questions to be able to get people to somewhat understand what his role with the Texans is at this point. Well,
1: one more thing about that. And I know you probably really don't want to talk about it. What was Andre doing in the owner's box?
0: Uh, he was. I, look, I, I tweeted about it. I, I think all he was doing was what anybody does the week of being introduced, potentially as a finalist as the as a finalist for the Hall of Fame. He was just he was just doing technically his job, right? Like I, I think he was just there because it's the right thing to do. Uh, he, he's potentially going to be a finalist in the Hall of Fame. It was just one of those things where it was like, it's like a checkbox in a sense of like, okay, you know, this might potentially go somewhere. This organization is what gave me that opportunity to do that. You know, I'm going to go there and do that. And that's it. I I really don't think it was anything more or less, or I don't think it was a kiss the ring. Like some people like to say, and I don't think it was a, you know, whatever else. Like I I just think he happened to be there and it was there, he was there because he's going to be introducing the hall of fame potentially. That's all I think it was.
1: What, what do you think they talked about? Do you think no, they talked about Jack?
0: No, not at all. I, don't, I, I honestly <laughs> uh, look. I love Andre. He's probably he is my favorite Texan of all time. To interview him would be as close to interviewing Kobe as I could potentially get. Right, um, but no, he he didn't even bring up Jack once. Like honestly, after that tweet, like we haven't heard anything else about it except for positives in an interview. Where he like says he's good at what he does, and then, like that's it, right? And the Deshaun stands your ground, and all that, that all that shit went out the window as soon as the allegations came up, right? So we haven't seen anything about it. So I don't know. I, I think it was more of him just playing his part, and that's it. Patrick, stop teasing me. I hate when you do this. Yes, of course I want Dre. What kind of question is that? I've, I've emailed his assistant multiple times. I would love to talk to Andre. I think it would probably be the best interview he's done. But yeah, I I, I would love to talk to him, um, Chris Royal and fans take it on Casario. Casario deserves nothing but praise. Casario's intelligent, and genius general manager skills should be praised and trusted in Houston. Um, I, I agree. I don't think I don't think outside of a couple misses on some trades that were potentially higher risk, uh, but but would could pay off more. Uh, Anthony Miller, uh, Shaq Lawson, right? Th- those guys were. If he would have hit, he would have looked like a genius. Um, and if he didn't, then, you know, it's kind of one of those losses, but I, I really don't think it was, a. I really don't think it was that big of a deal. <laughs> maybe well, a what is
1: it? No general manager bats a thousand.
0: No, you, I you, think,
1: you, that, I think somebody put out, I can't remember the exact numbers, but it, it's something crazy. Like the great general managers only bat about 300, the average general or the above average general managers. It's about 200. Most, most general managers in the NFL, one out of 10 of their moves actually work out. And a, as a positive,
0: it's funny because I'm gonna eat. I'm gonna have to eat a ton of crow because I, I've been saying five for five, five for five. I, I wanted to get shirts made that say Nick Casario is five for five. In all actuality, he is five for five at this point, um, but he's gonna miss 100. Like it's just not it's not practical to expect him to hit on every draft pick. But it is a very encouraging sign to see that in a year where he had zero firsts and zero seconds. Um, he was able to walk away with players like Brevin Jordan, impact player, not just a player, but an impact player, Nico Collins, impact player, Davis Mills, whether he, whether he is chase Daniels for the rest of his career, it is a successful draft pick uh, Garrett Wallow, who we've only seen limited snaps when we saw him against the Jags. He led the team in tackles. Um, Roy Lopez has been a starter on the defensive line the entire season. So you have every reason to think that there should be the utmost confidence in the drafting ability of Nick Casario. Um, and honestly, in the free agent approach this year, I mean, how many players did he find, John? Seriously, Tavir Thomas, Tremont Smith, uh, Gruger Hill, possibly Desmond King, um, Malik Collins. Like, okay, so that's five. <laughs> that's five players that were one-year guys that – Dorsett have- looked
1: pretty good until he got hurt. Who? Dorsett looked pretty good until he got hurt.
0: Yeah, Dorsett looked good, and he signed through next year, right? Yep. So um, there's just – I don't know, man. I, I, I'm really having a hard time finding all the negativity that
1: um, – I mean, Morrissey will be on the roster forever.
0: Morrissey uh, – look, we had a conversation about uh, – I, I joined Jules's, uh spaces the other day, and, and it was – the conversation was, you know, you trade Tunsil in the first – at this point, I wouldn't trade Tunsil. I wouldn't. I'd keep him at left, and I'd move Titus to right, and I'd keep Jim Jimmy there to develop, and I'd 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 probably sign a free agent guard, and I'd draft a guard, and I'd fix that offensive line because I I really think you're going to need both of those guys. Yeah, Cam Johnson, another one. Yep, um, Pro Bowl punter. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think you keep Tunsil, you put Titus back at right, who we've seen him be above average at right tackle, and. you 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 find the two guards but um yeah man there's just a ton of positives to pull away in a season where you didn't expect for there to be many there's actually been a ton you just got to look for it you just got to look for it and a lot of times what we don't do as fans is actually look for it we hope for somebody to point it out to us and tell us what those positives are or more more specifically what those negatives are because that's where we tend to think um and you just kind of you kind of become a sheep in the sense of letting other people inform your opinions, and you can't do that. Not in football. That's just not the way it works. So, yeah. Uh, do we want to talk Spidey, 10-12? Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely. <laughs> how many times have you seen it? Uh, twice. Okay, I've seen it twice as well. Um, if anybody has not seen Spider-Man and is a Marvel fan, um, we'll give you... 30 seconds to cut out so that we don't spoil anything. If you have not seen it by now, I would assume you probably won't see it until it comes out. So you'll be spoiled by then, even if you don't want to be. Um, Great movie. Very, very good movie. Um, As we go into the 30 seconds. Okay. Now spoilers, everybody. So just, you can't hit me on Twitter and say anything. You can't hit John on Twitter. If you guys are here at this point, Um, you're gonna have to do it all right ultra tough scene have a great night thanks for being here bro um the movie was exceeded my expectations and the only negative thing i have to say about the film and it even is it isn't even about the film um is the fact that there was so much so many surprises taken away from the movie that I wish I would not have known prior to the movie actually happening. I, I wish I wouldn't have seen stuff about the Tobys and Andrew being in it. I wish I would have owned, I wish I wouldn't have even seen the trailer. Um, I wish, and, and I, and that's how I plan on going about it moving forward because it, it, the internet era, there's no way to not be spoiled, but I feel like that movie would a good, good night, Chris, have a good, have a good night, man. Um, Enjoy time with your son. Um I can only imagine how good that movie would have been if I knew nothing going into it.
1: Dude, I knew nothing going in. That's not. And true. it was amazing. You knew Toby amazing. and Andrew.
0: You knew Toby and Andrew. No, 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 no. There's no, no way. It's nope. been everywhere, John. I did you not been know. on Twitter. I, I've heard it. That's what I, I mean.
1: Believe it, but like I convinced myself not to believe it.
0: Okay, but you. Still so had I was still. I was. It
1: was. Yeah, like I still had an idea, but I didn't,
0: I wasn't looking for it. So. But I'm saying, imagine if you had no idea any of that. None of it, right? Like that, that movie would have been even that much because it's basically Infinity War and Endgame, right? We had no idea. It got to a point to where in in Endgame, they, they basically manipulated the trailer so much that you couldn't take anything from the trailer.
1: They put, they put, uh. Rocket. Extra scenes, yeah, in the, uh, exactly in the trailer.
0: Yeah, and and like they CGI'd out Garfield hitting lizard and things like that, but like there just wasn't enough in the trailers. Like you could really get a feel for it. Um, but I'll tell you this, and I the, probably the biggest thing I took away from the movie was the fact that Andrew is finally getting the credit he deserves for two really 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 good Spider-Man movies that. Definitely should be up there with the rest of them, in my opinion. I, I thought he well, was one of the what, best Spider-Man, and I like him better than Toby.
1: Yeah, I actually think that as Spider-Man, he was he was the best Spider-Man. Now, not the best Peter Parker, yeah, but the best Spider-Man. Yep. However, the thing that I would say No Way Home did is it made the previous movies better.
0: A hundred percent.
1: How how is that? Like it tied them all together. It made them go from being independent like an independent trilogy and an independent sequel to what do you call like a saga of seven movies like i don't even know but it tied them all together where you watch them all and you can get actual value from it now like it just i've never i don't know of any movie doing something like this before where it made predecessors that much better like the only other movie that maybe could do something like that would be like James Bond, like tying it together. Yeah. But it's a level that infinity war and Endgame, like they made the previous Avengers movies better. Like as more movies came out, um, age of Ultron got better, but they were still, there were still threads where they were tied together. Like these series, the Garfield series and the Tobey Maguire series, they weren't tied together in any form or fashion. And yet now they are. and it makes sense. and it actually adds value to that movie and to those previous ones. Like it it's absolutely insanity.
0: I will say this. and and Matt is spot on about this. Andrew pretty much did have to carry both of those movies, even with Emma Stone in it, right? Like he carried both like I, I thought their dynamic was extremely good. Definitely better. I don't know if it's better than than, than Tom and and Zendaya, it, but it's on par with both. They're on yeah. screen chemistry and synergy all together, Andrew and Emma were were was fantastic. There was yeah, a I, there. I
1: never liked Kristen Dern. Dern, oh, Dern nobody did. I said, no, nobody, I, did. I could, nobody
0: did. But like she was the
1: she was the worst parts of the original trilogy.
0: Yes, I agree.
1: But Emma Stone and Garfield had chemistry. Like Their I, synergy- I like
0: it was there dude throughout the whole yeah. movie you could see it when emma looked at andrew you could see it when andrew looked at him. and you can see it now with tom and zendaya when they look and things of that nature um but he's right like andrew really did carry those movies right like those characters weren't even that good lizard like, was not good there's
1: not a super memorable bad guy Harry
0: osborne like, wasn't that good uh, like even, people even forget Jamie that her, there was a yeah, yeah Jamie fox's electro was not that good right he was much better in this one. That that definitely should have been the path that they took Jamie on. Um, and now, 100%, like, I mean, I was already ready for Multiverse of Madness. Uh, Doctor Strange is probably one of my favorite characters in the MCU. I thought that uh, Doctor Strange, the original movie, was one of the better standalone movies that we've seen in the MCU. I, I think it's, uh, you can categorize it as a superhero movie, but it's also just a really good movie in its sense. You could take it a you could take it out of the MCU and it not be a part of any of the story for phase four or phase three and have it as a movie. And it would still be just as good. But now with multiverse of madness, the the possibilities that we have and, and, and it's already, it already sucks. Cause I've already like before Spider-Man, I've already seen the rumors and all the other stuff that they're saying about multiverse of madness. And if, if all those are true, it's going to be crazy, but they they are going to be able to take Phase Four to a level that I didn't know existed, based on how great Phase Three was, and the fact that there's so many other characters introduced at this point. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a wild ride. But also like another like Charlie Cox being in it and Daredevil was just like dude like I loved that series on Netflix. I, I've seen it three times. It's probably one of my favorite Netflix series of all time. I think it's a great series. I think Charlie Cox is a fucking awesome Daredevil. Um, and Kingpin is back in Hawkeye. So that's huge, right? Vincent, I forgot to... I don't know how to say his last name, but uh, Fino or Donferia, whatever it is. Either way, he's amazing. Um, and it's just like No Way Home just changed the entire landscape. And two hours and 46 minutes, or two hours and 26 minutes, and it was fantastic. It was, just, it was just exactly what you wanted it and needed it to be. And the fact that in the middle of a pandemic, when Omicron is running wild, I mean wild, the, the Omicron right now is blowing away everything we've seen so far from, from COVID-19. Thank God there is not the deaths which is fantastic and that's great and there's a sh- there's a light at the end of the tunnel. But at the end of the day, it's going to break every single movie record in the middle of a pandemic. Like, honestly, think about that. Like th- We're not talking about when everybody's okay just going and coughing all over the place and not washing their hands. We're talking about a time where people don't want to sit next to each other. It's going to break movie records. Yeah. Like, that's fucking insane.
1: Well, we saw the second time I saw it was like one o'clock on Wednesday. So the day before Christmas Eve or two days before Christmas Eve. Yeah. At one o'clock and the movie theater was packed. Like it was so packed because of course my kid isn't old enough to be vaccinated. Like I was actually like having second thoughts about it, but he was so excited. We couldn't leave, which is crazy. Like this is a weekday and I mean, and it's worth it. Like it's such a good movie. Like go see it again. Like, you pick up on more stuff the second time you see it and it's still like, I'm amazed that both times that I went and saw it, people reacted when, when Garfield and McGuire showed up, like, it's just absolutely amazing.
0: Yeah. I miss, you know, I, I really, I, I enjoyed during the pandemic being able to watch these movies from home. Um, like a lot of the movies, right. I mean, I've seen every Marvel movie that's come out, you know, Shingchi Eternals, like what I've seen them all in theaters, but, um, being able to have that end game experience that you had originally, again, um, was awesome. I mean, it really was. I didn't have a theater that was clapping or applauding when Andrew came through or Toby came through. Um, I had some gasps, but it was definitely... Um, It was just, I don't know, like watching it on TikTok or Twitter or whatever it may be, seeing these people's reaction. It was just like when in Endgame, when Cap caught the hammer or when Cap said Avengers assemble or, you know, all those moments that we've had in the MCU over the years. um, It was just, it was, it was fantastic. It was one of the better movies I've seen in a very long time. Um, You know, I know a lot of people consider the Eternals to be a dud, um, so here they are bouncing back from... They knew where they were. When they when they made this lineup and, and they re- released Shang-Chi, then the Eternals, and then Spider-Man, they knew exactly what they were doing. They, they, there was no other place that they could have placed the Eternals without there being uh, too much pushback. It had to be where it was because there was a high of Shang-Chi, somewhat of a, eh, in Eternals, and then boom, another high, an extreme high and No Way Home that made it to the point to where he, like you kind of forgot that Eternals was okay. Um, so yeah. And I would agree, you know, I'm something of a scientist myself. The shit was hilarious. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, uh, can we talk about William Defoe? I mean, dude, that guy was, dude, he he was great. I I, he I wish he a had a
1: goblin sc- without the mask.
0: Like I, I wish he had more screen time because I, I think the, the, the acting he put on was a fucking clinic. For almost any villain moving forward in the MCU, he was on point from beginning to end. Um, He he was fantastic. He was fantastic.
1: dude. Yeah, like they they all nailed it. Like every single. It's almost like other than, of course, I'm glad they didn't try and really I mean, other than the uh, the stinger, they didn't really try and shoehorn Venom in but every character that was in No Way Home actually improves how you look at them in their previous movies. Like Jamie Foxx, that Electro, like all of a sudden Electro went from being this blue Smurf guy that is forgettable. Like like it took me, like I've seen that, I've seen seen Amazing Spider-Man 2 several times and yet Jamie Foxx was actually kind of forgettable. Like there was just so much, craziness going on in that movie um but he he was great he was absolutely great in it and i mean of course um doc octopus was still great but the green goblin defoe always did a great job as it but without the mask to see his face like that was just on. It was he was a better goblin when you could actually see his face, and it was so perfect. And like the way he was laughing when they were fighting, like he, he was so perfect. He was that I wish they could almost reshoot the Tobey Maguire Spider Man and just like CGI that goblin with what Defoe with uh, Defoe's performance from New, like that version, like yeah. with the the torn up clothes, like his exposed face. Like, it was was amazing.
0: Yeah, I think, Jay, though, I've seen this theory floated around as well. Kind of sad that No Way Home gave us some info about Wong that I'm not ready for in order for Doctor Strange to become Sorcerer Supreme again. He has to die. That's actually not true. Um, I've seen this theory a million times. I don't think they're going to kill Wong. Um, The only reason I think that he was in Shang-Chi, I think he has a bigger purpose outside of the Strange uh, movies. And uh, another way that Doctor Strange could become Sorcerer Supreme again is if Wong is willing or wanting to step down as Sorcerer Supreme um, and pass that on to um, Dr. Strange, because we all know that he does become Sorcerer Supreme um, for a long time uh, based on, on uh, end game and what that previous Sorcerer Supreme does say about uh, Dr. Strange was supposed to be the best of all of us. If that was the case, then he would not be Dr. Strange for only or the Sorcerer Supreme for only, you know, two movies end of Doctor Strange, and then also Infinity War slash Endgame. So um, I don't think that that's the case. I do think Wong has a much bigger character arc coming his way. And I think that's why you see that in the trailer. Um, they want people to think that that happens. It's just something that they do when they come to manipulate the trailers. They want you to be invested in the characters because that's what brings you back to the movie theaters. Um, all right. I think it's about it. What else we got? Did you, did you freeze? Did you finish? Did you finish
1: uh, Hawkeye?
0: Yeah, I did. Dude, <laughs> it was good. I hated the the fucking the the end credit scene was like the worst five minutes of my entire life. Um, I wish. Yeah. I, could be back. <laughs> I I kept I I kept pausing it, looking through the crowd, <laughs> hoping to see somebody <laughs> like of some sort. Like I, I had no idea what to expect. I was like, all right, there's going to be you know Kingpin's going to be there with no eyes or. You know, I, I have no idea what to expect. But I was like, there's got to be somebody. And, oh, Book of Boba Fett came out today. I had no idea. Yeah. Um,
1: as soon as we're done, I'm going to go watch that.
0: I was but... going to play Madden, but yeah, I might go do that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, that end credit scene was awful, but the show itself was fantastic. Um,
1: I For the cheesiness of the end scene and how well done it was. No. Like, it was awful, but I loved it.
0: Zero credit. Zero. I, I wish Dude, I had. Five I minutes. that was the worst five <laughs> minutes I have ever spent in my life. I it was awful, but I loved it. But then again, I actually
1: like Hamilton. So
0: yeah, I, even if I liked Hamilton, I'd still. There's just there's <laughs> nothing there for me. Um, fair but, enough. But the show, the show was good. The show was really good. It, it's up there with. You the think
1: Kingman's dead.
0: No, they wouldn't bring him back to kill him already. There's just that's just not how it works. Um plus if Charlie Cox is going to be in and they're going to have to introduce Kingpin and Spider-Man at some point, um, as that's like one of his biggest enemies that has not been in an actual Spider-Man movie outside of Spider-Verse. Um, those two have to go at it specifically that actor. Um, yeah, I, I can't, I can't, I can't see Kingpin being dead. Um, I really hope daredevils in Dr. Strange. I keep hearing that that's the case. Um, That'd be freaking amazing because he's one of my oh, favorites.
1: He'll, he'll be in the Echo show because Echo, she's getting a show.
0: Matthew, thank you. Have a wonderful night. Salute, my brother. Uh, enjoy. Um, well, he, he he's going to be in Doctor Strange, I'm pretty sure.
1: Really? I don't know. I've I'm, I'm just got to say, even though I have no idea what Phase 4 is ultimately going to look like, I am beyond excited for it.
0: Secret Wars has to be at the end.
1: You would think like, I mean, that one throwaway line, like Nick Fury has been off planet for over a year.
0: Well, yeah, but that's, I mean, that's, but that was in Captain Marvel. You knew that. Was it? Yeah, it was at the end.
1: I got to, I got to rewatch that. Yeah, it
0: was the, it was the uh, end credit. So, scene. It was the end credit yeah. scene in Captain Marvel.
1: So in far from home, who who was that a, is that a, uh... Uh,
0: uh, Yeah. That's a. Oh, that's or, a or, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry, not Captain Marvel. Uh, Far From Home. Uh, the end credit scene. Uh, the scroll ends up calling Nick Fury, who is on a ship in space, and he's just chilling. And he says he's he's going to need him back now. Uh, so he was pretending to be Nick Fury the entire time. Um, and yes, the symbiotes being in the MCU open up a ton of different um things. I I, I, I saw that Amazing Spider-Man three was already greenlit and that there's already a script and everything with Garfield reprising the role himself. (laughs) And from what I understand, based on the agreement between Sony and Marvel is that uh, later Jay, have a good night. uh, Is that uh, Tom Hardy's venom will not cross over with Tom Holland, but instead will cross over with Andrew Garfield. And there will be somebody probably flash Thompson who takes over the symbiote um, and the, tom holland spider-man series so
1: yeah i mean i guess that's one thing that we really did jump over i that honestly that trilogy i mean the other thing about it is that's an origin story which like one they the uh, no way home or yeah. the home the home trilogy Yep. i mean they the cinematic universe had to do some funky things to get iron spider to show up before spider-man essentially Yep. Because that's essentially what it was, is he wasn't really Spider-Man, he was Iron Spider. Yep. And then they did my understanding is there was a comic book. Um, there was a comic called Brand New Day, where they just reset everything. And that's huh. essentially what part of this was inspired by. But the movies actually did it right. Hmm. So now we have a Spider-Man pretty much starting from square one. He's Spider-Man, he lives by he's by himself. Like this is like true to comic poor guy that is trying to sell photos just to make ends meet but he's always running around and like where where do they go like do you think MJ's back do you think Ned's back do you think do you think that they just go in different directions like how do you think the future of Spider-Man and MCU is going to go
0: yeah I think they introduced Gwen Stacy I think the love interest between Tom and MJ or Spider-Man and MJ get a little, gets a little fickle. Um, I think Ned and, and, and MJ start to kind of do their own thing. I think he keeps eyes and a track of them and uh, has an idea on what they're doing, but I don't know if, I don't know if they'll fully come back in the sense of what we've seen, but I still think they'll have pretty big roles within the films themselves. Um, but I do think that they have to introduce Gwen at some point, just based on the fact that we haven't seen a Spider-Man movie where both exist, when in the comics there's a lot of storylines where both exist. Yeah.
1: And then there's also Black Cat. Yep. That Spider-Man was involved with. I think that that was the other big one. Well then was Craven the Hunter. One? Well, so Craven yeah. the Hunter
0: was there um when the un- when the multiverse was opening up uh scorpion was there rhino was there um and they sony has already started filming the craven the hunter solo film um so they're building the sinister sticks already but yeah i don't know i mean there's there's so many at this point like but, i don't think anybody's you know
1: what it's like what what universe are they in cuz it's like morbius and vulture like right. vultures and morbius and like i i'm excited to see that maybe because I see which way it goes but that Morbius also says, "Who am who am I, or, I, or I'm Venom, or whatnot?" It yeah. says that. So he's in Venom's universe. But what is Vulture doing there? Yeah. So I'm very curious to see how that goes. It's gonna be
0: interesting for sure. So, all right. Well, I guess with that being said, we'll uh, we'll sign off. You guys can follow us on Twitter. Uh, make sure you guys hit that like and subscribe button. Tell your friends about us. A best Texans podcast that keeps it real every week. Um, good luck to the Texans this Sunday. I ho- hopefully, Davis Mills carves up the Niners. Um, hopefully, we can be just
1: as exciting next week as we were this week.
0: Yeah. That's all I'm looking for. That's it. And then uh, with that being said, I am Young Ari Gold signing off for Texans Unfiltered. We will catch you guys next week.